Welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast, where we bring you tips and inspiration each day to help you build habits for writing success. For more resources, including your free Daily Writer Starter Kit, visit dailywriterlife.com. Today, I'm excited to bring you a very fun and inspiring interview with my friend, Jen Smith. Jen is the co-host of the very successful Frugal Friends podcast, and she's also the author of several books, including the No Spend Challenge Guide, which has well over a thousand reviews on Amazon. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means that the book has been really, really successful. Jen also writes at her Modern Frugality blog. And I got to ask Jen all my questions about how she has used her podcast and books to make both of those things more successful. In other words, how she has really wisely and creatively cross-promoted her books and her podcast to, to increase viewership and engagement and success with both of those things. We also got to talk about how she engages her audience with podcasting, as well as the secrets behind her phenomenal podcast growth. So as you know, since you're listening to this episode, I very much love podcasting. And if you don't currently have a podcast, I bet that you will be wanting to start one after you listen to Jen's passion for this medium and how it's impacted both her and her audience. And if you do have a podcast, this is really going to give you some great tips for audience engagement and for doing some creative things to grow your podcast audience. I know I am going to be going through this episode probably two or three more times, taking lots of notes and trying to take advantage of all the amazing wisdom that Jen shares. So with that said, let's get right to the conversation with the amazing Jen Smith. Jen, it's a pleasure to have you on the Daily Writer podcast. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, you're one of the guests. You're one of these types of guests where I I feel like I have seven or eight things that I could talk to you about. So it was actually kind of hard in my mind to narrow down the topics that I wanted to focus on today because you're great at writing, you're great at indie publishing, you're great at podcasting, you're great at business, you're great at the money thing. So <laughs> where do I, how do I even start to nail this down? I mean, you, you keep me here. I've got 40 more minutes, so I'm <laughs> okay. here for you, whatever, whatever we can fit in. All right. Well, I thought we would start out at least with this topic of how you got into podcasting and how that has been so successful successful for you because you have a large audience and you work with the podcast network and which is a really cool thing in itself and i'm always talking about why writers should have podcasts so can you give us kind of the backstory behind how you created your show frugal friends and how you have grown that over the last few years Yeah. So I didn't want to start a podcast. Uh, Back in probably January of 2018, um, my friend came to me and he was an audio um, like engineer for bands and he wanted to get into podcasts. And he's like, you should start a podcast with my wife so that I can edit it and I can build up a portfolio. And I was like, I am a writer. I write. And that's what I love. Like, I don't talk. That's, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I, I didn't even listen to podcasts. Um, but I did have a good idea for a name because I love alliteration. I was mm-hmm. like, if I did have a podcast, it'd be called Frugal Friends. And he just took that and he ran with it kind of without permission um, <laughs> because his wife and I were friends, but we were not good friends. Like, it okay. was more of like my husband and me hung out a lot with him and his wife, um, Jill, who's now my co-host. And and so like we were couple friends. It was never just Jill and I. 
Okay. And so I didn't really, I wasn't interested in starting a podcast, but I was interested in helping uh, my friend, you know, build a portfolio. And I had just uh, in, in February, shortly after that, I started a full-time writing position. So I was like, maybe with the full-time writing, I might get, you know, exhausted or burnt out. So maybe it would to have something else that's still in personal finance, but like another outlet would maybe be cool. Now, what do you mean by full-time writing position? So I got a job writing for a personal finance website. So I was a, which is not actually very common. Most websites only hire freelance. So it was a very rare thing to get. That is rare. Right. Yes. To get a full-time writing and it was in-house. It wasn't even virtual. So it was a very, like very rare um, opportunity that okay. that I had to jump on. Okay. Uh, so so I started that and started the podcast uh, literally the next month, and I I had no idea the significance that this podcast would play in my life or how much I would enjoy it. Like it took all of my favorite parts of writing which are are really outlining and mm-hmm. researching and explaining things in layman's terms. Um, it took all of those and took out all of the stuff that I didn't really like, which is correcting things after editors sent them back to me or fluffing out articles to meet word counts. Um, right. It, it took I've out never all done these... that personally. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. On the internet, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, right. So it took out all the things that I didn't really like and left all the things I did and I could do episodes on whatever I wanted. Like it was just so, it ended up being so fun. And and Jill ended up becoming, has become one of my best friends. And we would have never formed this relationship mm. without having to meet every week um, or every other week to do this podcast. And we've released, I think we just recorded our 240th episode. Uh, we've never missed a week and now we're at twice a week. That is so cool. Now yeah. I noticed on, I'm not obsessed with numbers, but I do think numbers are a measure of some things. So numbers can be really important. So I hopped on right before this conversation, actually I hopped on Apple podcast and I wonder if I still have this pulled up here. Um, you are at 751 reviews, which is, or ratings, I'm sorry, which is really, really significant. I mean, that's a large podcast. How did mm-hmm. you grow your listener base in just four years to that number of listeners? Because that's really, really big. Well, it started with me taking all of my friends' phones and giving our us five-star reviews from everybody's account. I think that's how we got our first 20 reviews. Like and you're you're serious. There. Oh, I am dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I did that. Um from there, uh I really focused on solving problems. That's the type of writer that I am. I don't necessarily write for myself or like I don't feel like I would ever write a memoir. I write to solve people's problems. If I have experience in something that could help somebody else, get through it um, with more ease or fewer road bumps. That's why I write that. That's why. And so that became what I wanted to do with podcasting. So I took my 
um, SEO background as a um, search engine optimization expert. And I just transferred that to Apple Podcasts and said, okay, what are the top things people are searching for on Google? And how can I, and I'll just make a podcast episode for each one. Mm. Uh, and so that's really how we started. Um, and we also wanted to have like a unique uh, format. So instead of just doing an interview every week, which really took the control of that, like optimizing for search, um, it took that control out of our hands. We only do an interview every third episode. And I don't think we started interviews until like nine episodes in. So we have, we'll have, we love our um, interviews. We love connecting with other people. That's another like very underrated mm -hmm. uh, thing when it comes to podcasting is that now all these guests that we've had on our show, now I can go ask them if I can be on their show whenever I'm promoting something like a book or whatnot. Um, so having, having these these guests on is definitely great networking, but I think in the early days, having that, um, optimizing for search really helped us grow. Um, and I had just used, I mean, honestly, articles and, and stuff I'd already written. Um, and I would search for like Google, uh, the top Google results. That's the, the format of our show is that we'll cover, We'll search for something on Google, pick two of the top uh, articles on that topic, and we'll go through them and we'll parse out what is uh, what you should listen to and what's unrealistic. What's that fluff that people are putting in just to get the word count um, or just to get the affiliate link? So, so we'll go through that, and that's I think people also really appreciated the varying format um, versus just in an interview and they got to spend more time with us and, and get mm -hmm. to know us better. Like they were just our friends hanging out with us. Uh, and so that loyalty also breeds, um, like fans that, that will binge the backlog, um, so to speak. And it's much easier to retain one listener than it is to, and have them listen to a hundred episodes than it is to gain a hundred listeners. So that was, those are the kind of strategies that we took. So you didn't do any sort of outside marketing or anything. This this is basically just organic growth because you paid attention to SEO. And I mean, mm -hmm. obviously delivering great value on the show, but would you say that the SEO component has been a significant part of the podcast growth? Yeah, I have no like analytics. I have no analytics to back that up, but it wasn't being done. So when I was looking for podcast episodes in, you know, before I even started my podcast, I looked for, I searched for for questions, just like you would on Google. It's like, oh, okay, I don't have time to read an article or I don't want to read an article about this, but I, but I want to listen to the answer um, in my car or something. So I would, I would search it on Apple Podcasts and I wouldn't see like, I would see all these quippy titles, um, you know, very artistic, very, you know, clickbaity, but I wouldn't see the answer to my question. And I was like, okay. I just want to, I want to be, when somebody searches for a question, I want to be the top result. I don't want to have any quippiness. I don't want to have any, you know, I, like I don't want to titles, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. No, I want to be the first, uh, podcast that pops up when they want to solve their problem. And, and that was, I think 
that really served us well. And then we did some, we did, we've always done a lot of podcast guesting um, because we, we love being on people's shows. And that is the other thing that, that really helped us. See, this is really, really good stuff. If you see me looking down during this conversation, (laughs) because I'm taking notes furiously, this is really, really good stuff. So, so let me do a little, uh, I'll be a guinea pig here. So I happen to have a podcast. Obviously we're on it as we speak. So that is something I have not really done is um, I have not primarily looked at this show as a problem solving show. I typically use it as, okay, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what people ask me about. Here's questions I want to answer, but I'm really intrigued by your strategy of just going on Google and looking for here. Here's the problems people have in relation to this. Now talk for a second, if you can, about, okay, if you were running a writing podcast, what kinds of things would you use Google for? Like, would you just like Google where people's biggest frustrations about writing or publishing those kinds of things and just do research like that to try and figure out where people are really struggling in that process? Yeah. So I, you could use a, um, like an SEO software, um, Uber suggest is one you can get a seven day trial to, I think it's Ahrefs. Ah, refs. I don't know. Okay. I know. Yeah. I've I've seen that. Yeah. So, so that'll give you, so you can type in like, or even, um, what was it? Answer the public or ask the people. Yeah. I've I've heard of that. Right. So use one of those because you will be able to type in one thing, like one, one topic that you really want to write about. So like frugal friends, I think also the fact that our, our, like our title and and your title as well of the podcast, there is no question what we're talking about. Yes, so that's it's not another, a cutesy right, title. Yeah, so that's another thing. So you know exactly what you're going to get. You know the mindset behind the answer you're going to get. Uh, so I think just thinking about what do I want to talk about and kind of searching that in one of those softwares to see, okay, are people are people asking this? Um, and then it'll also recommend like alternative searches or, or adjacent searches, um, and which can also be like topics. So for us, we would just use like Google auto finish. So, so we started out like how to save money on, and we just took the top 10, whatever Google Fin, like mm, finished it with. So how to save money on housing, how to save money on bills, how to save money on clothing, how to save money on a wedding. Gosh, that's genius. Those were literally our first 10 episodes. Those you go back, those are our first episodes is how to save money on this, on that, on that. So that is a free way to do that. If you have something that's, you have a topic that's, um, that's very niche, you can do something like that. Hmm. See, I kind of want to just crawl over in the corner and cry right now. Because I've been podcasting since, and I'm, I'm sort of being funny, um, but I've been podcasting since 2013, you know, more on than off, but not totally consistent. And there's part of me that just goes, why have I never thought of just thinking of a podcast as solving problems? Because we, I think we attach so many other things to podcasting. Like I want to do interviews or I want, obviously we're talking right now. I want to do interviews or I want to talk about things that are important to me or some people use a podcast as I want to kind of vent my frustrations or air my opinions about this or that. But I love this approach that you've taken, which is taking a topic, obviously money, 
and simply looking at it through the lens of solving people's problems. That's, that is so basic and so simple, yet it has never occurred to me to approach it that way. I'm kind of embarrassed well, to admit that. Our mindset when we started was nobody cares about us. Nobody cares about us. Nobody wants to listen to our show. Nobody cares. What do they care about? They care about themselves and their problems. Hmm. So true. Let's let's figure out, let's help them solve their problems. They also love listening to themselves. So we have this bill of the week <laughs> segment in the middle of every show where they get to call in and say their bill of the week, whether it's like, you know, a bill, a dollar bill they found or a bill they paid off or lowered or like some dude named Bill or a duck bill. It's a very fun segment and they love hearing themselves. We are six months backed up playing bills of the week. So people <laughs> want to solve their own problems and they'll want to hear their own voices. And that's me included. I don't, I, there are very few people I care about on podcasts and I'll listen to their show because they solve my problems in a way that I can really understand and implement. Mm. But like, I don't fully care about them as a person. I like them. Uh, but mostly because they help me solve my problems. Mm, that is so good. That's really that's really really good. <laughs> I'm gonna when I go back and re-listen. I don't re-listen to interviews honestly very often because I'm like I'm there when it happened. But mm-hmm. there are occasions when I when I really have to go back and listen carefully and take notes. So I'm just stopping taking notes right now because I can't write down all, all of your wisdom on this stuff. <laughs> What I'll do is probably I'll run this through transcription software so I can really read through it carefully. Now, I'm curious if if you can talk about the value of having a co-host on your show. Here's why I'm asking is because I've done my show solo forever, but I listen to a lot of shows that have co-hosts and I really like that. But I'm curious if you can if you can give us some wisdom on should you have a co-host, should you not? How do you then deal with the responsibilities of the show? Who's actually like paying for the show for hosting and expenses? And how do you, how do you think through all that? Yeah, there is a lot to think through. And we got very, very lucky. We did not start the way you should start a co-hosting relationship. Nobody would have recommended we do this. Um, And we just got so lucky because we liked each other so much. Hmm that we wanted to do the show every week. Um, and that's like what that. kept us through the first um, like two years that we made like no money. Uh, we just we just wanted to hang out every week. That's why we did it. And I talked to other podcasts um, like that are co-hosted and they have the same experience. Like the the shows that are really based on friendship versus business. Right. Are right. really the most successful. And you can see that. Um and people people go to us, "Oh my gosh, you're friends in real life too." Yeah. We don't we don't post a lot on social media because when we hang out, we're just like hanging out. We're not thinking about business unless I bring it up because I usually do. Um because that's just me. But so so that is really important, but that has caused us since being successful to want to protect our friendship at all costs. Mm. And so um, last year we had a lawyer draft up a formal contract for, for the business. And um, I don't know if it's called some kind of contracts that, that okay. you have between in a partnership and, um, and just to protect each other. It's like a prenup. Like it doesn't mean you're getting divorced. It means that 
you're just kind of allocating where resources should live. Yeah. Um, and, and so when I went full time on the podcast last year, we, we had to have like a reallocation of, okay, I'm putting in more time than you because you still have a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So how are the, how's the income going to get reallocated? Right. So, right. so yeah, it takes a lot of, at, at the beginning, uh, flexibility, grace, love for your co-host and but it's so worth it because having these like Jill is a licensed uh clinical social worker. I'm a personal finance writer. We bring she brings insight um and balance to the show that I would never bring on my own. She asks questions to guests that I would have never thought um and vice versa. And so it's like you get you you get two hosts, two podcasts in one. Because you're getting the the experience and insight of two people in one show, uh, so I think that listeners really like that. But it's not for everyone, for sure. You, it's it's really a chemistry thing. You have to find the right co-host, or you may just be more successful doing it on your own. Could you make a case that? Okay, so I'm going to reveal my age here. So. When I was growing up, I watched Johnny Carson all the time. Uh, did you ever watch Johnny Carson? Like, did you ever see any of his stuff on the Tonight Show? Okay. I know who I didn't he think is. So. I, okay. I've like seen clips. Like, I know who he is. Okay. So he would have, and Jane Leno, I think, did the same thing too sometimes, but they would have guest hosts occasionally. Like, Johnny Carson got to a point in his career where he would like take every Friday off or every Monday or something. He would have like Joan Rivers come in or Jay Leno or somebody else to host the show. And I, th I always thought that was kind of cool because he was inviting other people to share his, his platform, but he wasn't like splitting it 50, 50, he was giving them mm -hmm. a small slice of it. Do you think it would work for a show to have kind of a revolving door of guests, co-hosts that yes. way you're not like uh -huh. committing to one personality, but mm -hmm. you're kind of giving people, you kind of have this, this roster of maybe three or four or five people mm -hmm. who are coming Absolutely. in Absolutely. That kind of a thing. Yeah. And that is something that we are going to start to test out actually soon. Really? So we did have a guest co-host when I gave birth. I took three weeks off and my friend Allison came in and co-hosted with Jill. Um, cool. And so we would like to, and, and I know a ton of shows that do that. That is a common really? thing. Yeah. That they'll have guest co-hosts either... So like for us, we'll test um, having the co-host come in and replace one of us. So either it's me and the guest co-host or Jill and the guest co-host, or just having the guest co-host come in with both of us. And we do a normal article-based um, episode okay. um, with the three of us instead of doing an interview. And it's somebody who comes on regularly, like maybe once a month. Okay. Um, so they get to know the person. Uh, I'm actually a guest co um, or guest panelist on a show called earn and invest. Okay. So, so yeah, it is, it's done. I think it's great because it gives you um, like, like bigger pockets, the real estate investing. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's a, a big strategy that they use to like grow podcasts. It's, it's a very common, it's very good when it's done well. It gives the people a chance to like build trust with mm -hmm. um, another content creator. So you you allow a content creator to build, a, like borrow your platform um, and the unique 
platform a podcast provides without starting their own podcast. Right. Um, which right. is great. And then they allow you um, to maybe take a week off or um, or whatever your purpose is for doing your thing. Maybe they promote, maybe they have a, high, a big social media following, but no podcast. So they guest co-host your podcast and then they go promote you um, and the podcast on social media. So like it's this it's this great synergy um, that that comes around. Hmm, that's super fascinating. I I didn't know that that was such a big thing on other shows. I've listened to bigger mm-hmm. podcasts before. Uh, it's been a little while, but I think that that dynamic of having more than one person like be the constant voice, and also it's kind of tiring. Like this is a daily show, and sometimes I I. I mean, just being really honest, sometimes I wonder, okay, if people want to show about writing, but they don't really click with me for some reason, because I'm too low key or I'm too chill or I'm a male or whatever reason, you know, we don't click with everybody. That would be mm-hmm. cool to have some variety in there. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you could structure this any number of ways, mm-hmm. just as long as you're bringing in different voices and having some diversity of, of energy and uh, perspectives, that is always a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. How would you handle that with interviews? Because if, if let's say if I just do a solo interview, then could you just have the other person listen to the interview later? And then you both are kind of like commenting on it and those kinds of things. So we would not do, since we only have an interview every third episode, it would just be Jill and I doing an episode. We would do this just on the episodes. It's just Jill and I. Uh, cause it's also logistically more difficult. The more people you have right, on the interview, right. on the episode to just coordinate schedules. Um, so you have to think of that too. But, um, like when I went on maternity leave, we had, we made sure. So there was a interview scheduled uh, during that. And we just made sure it was our friend, Chris, who Allison was really comfortable mm. with. And still there were only three people on the interview. It was just Jill, Allison, and Chris. And so that's, if we, had an interview, it would just be one of us would be out, um, sort of. That makes sense. Sort of thing. Yeah. Now, I don't want to finish this interview without asking you about your enormously successful book, The No Spend Challenge Guide, because this is a writing podcast, of course. This isn't a podcasting podcast, <laughs> um, but today it is. I'm, I'm curious if you can give us any insights about the interplay between this book, which, if I remember right, has 1,137 reviews on Amazon, something like that. I looked right before Mm -hmm. we hopped on here. Um, it's, it's over a thousand. I do know that. So how, how does that book relate to your podcast in terms of cross promotion or how the podcast has helped the book to be so successful or whatever you can share about the interplay between those two things? Here's the beautiful thing about books and podcasts. Podcast listeners are book readers. Book readers are podcast listeners you don't always get that lining up with like blogs and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. But if you are a reader, chances are you've listened to a podcast, probably in the same genre of the book you're reading. If you've listened to a podcast, you've probably listened to an author on a podcast and at least considered maybe getting and reading their book. The target audience between books and podcasts are super similar. I think more similar than any other platforms. Hmm. Um, That's good. So that's why it's such a good idea 
for authors to either have their own podcast if they're building a bigger business um, that can that they can sell through a podcast, or if they're solely looking to sell the their one book or solely looking to sell books to consistently be guesting on people's mm-hmm. podcasts. Um, so yeah, when I so when I wrote the No Spend Challenge guide, it was uh, published in November of 2017, and we started the show in April of 2018. Um, and so there was just a lot of synergy between directing people who read the book, directing them to the podcast, and on the podcast, I could make uh, we were we were doing such aligned content that it was very natural for me to um, just like throw out the book, you know, be like, oh yeah, this is a suggestion I gave in my book, the no spend challenge guide. It's available on Amazon. And I, I mean, we even did several, we have done several episodes on no spend challenges that are super popular. Uh, so there is so much synergy that can help with sales. Cause you'll hear, hear a lot like podcasts are just marketing tools. You're not really doing it to to make money, at least at first. <laughs> so until you make uh, a little do, bit of money, then it's like, oh, right. Now money. we do make money on our show, but for you know the first four years, it was just marketing. What could we market? And um, you do that in a really, you can do that in a really authentic way with a podcast, uh, which I love. I have more trust for for an author when I hear them on a podcast. Hmm. Um, especially the podcast of a person that I already trust. Right. So you're borrowing audiences when you go on other people's podcasts. And I, and it's just a beautiful way to sell more books and podcasts, doing your own podcast can help you flesh out ideas for um, books. So you can see if your audience is interested in a topic before mm-hmm. you write a book on it or before you right. include that chapter right. in the book just by doing an episode on it. And if you have a wildly successful episode, um, that could be the inspiration for for a book. And so podcasts are also a great testing ground um, if you totally want to agree. write more. I totally agree with that because you can just look at your stats and you can immediately see it's, it's even like better than book sales because, you know, book sales, there's, but the, by the time somebody buys a book and you kind of look at your stats, you know, it's not always clear, like what happens in that process. Uh, particularly if you do traditional publishing, because you don't have access to all that stuff a lot of times, but with podcasting, all you have to do is look at stats and you can immediately see, okay, yesterday we had this many downloads and people listen to these episodes. And it's so funny because you get immediate feedback on what people like and what they don't like. And I Mm -hmm. love that about podcasting. Yeah, definitely always being every 30 days looking at um, 30 day stats. Um, Because if a, you know, usually your first day downloads are your highest, but you'll know a good topic when it's, when it gains traction and it starts and it, yeah, after 30 days, it's, it's done increasingly well exceedingly well, um, then that's a topic your audience wants to see more of. It wants to see expounded yeah. on. Um, and it's a really, you know, it can be something to note to maybe explore in more in book form. Hmm. Well, before we uh, wrap this up, Jen, this has been a blast. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about this stuff. Do you have any 
because we're talking about the power of podcasting and particularly guesting on other people's podcasts, do you have any tips for people who want to get on other people's shows and how you can do that in a natural and authentic way that, that really adds value to the podcast host, to their audience, to your audience? Like how, how do you get to be a guest on other people's shows, but do it in a nice way that's mm-hmm. that's not always pitching yourself? Yeah. So I'm seeing a trend towards a lot of like fake generosity to be like, oh, how can I support you? What can I do for you? And when I know, I was like, I know you're just trying to get on my show. Um, So I kind of steer people away from that because that's been like advice that's been given lately. Um, I think every business owner podcast person, every podcast host has gotten that email enough of those emails to know like people are recommending you say that, but people, I mean, also like there are very few things like somebody can do for me. I just, I wouldn't even know what to think. Like, what can you, I don't know what you can do for me. Right. Right. Um, so I would say first go in. So this is a, a podcast pitch. I like to see is somebody who has looked at my backlog looked at the types of things we've published and be like, how can I, what are some topics that I could talk about that are adjacent to these, Mm -hmm. um, that maybe build on them, but aren't identical. Cause I get so many pitches from like, Oh, this financial advisors built a seven figure business. Let us talk about business. I don't have a business podcast. I took myself out of the business and investing category. Um, yeah, that's, that's not going to fly. So take time to look at the backlog. I don't care if somebody's listened to the show. Some people will say, Oh, I just listened to your insert latest episode here. I really liked yeah, the I get those 30 seconds I listened to in the middle. I don't expect you to listen to the show. It's fine. Um, but I do expect you to look at the backlog, pick a few ideas for titles or to like catchy titles um, that would be good. Do the work for me that are That's adjacent to... Yeah. Uh, adjacent to what we're already publishing and then your credentials on why you would be the person for me to pick to talk about these uh, titles. And so if you can do some of the work for me, um, that's going to definitely, whether you have a platform or not, I don't care. Um, it, it will, it will make me more likely to, to pick the person if they, really naturally fit into the lineup or be like, Hey, I saw you did this episode like last year, but you really haven't done anything since. Um, I could do something like adjacent to it. Um, right. Here are some, here are some really good title ideas. And I've done this. This is why I could, you know, I've done this, this, and this, this is why I think I would be like good to talk about it. Um, so that's kind of what I like to see. If you want to butter me up at the beginning, I won't hate it, um, but I know Nobody hates what. It. Right, I know what. We like, know what's fakes. going on, but you know. We, yeah, I know when it's fake. So if you're going to fake it, just don't bother. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so that's kind of it. That's a good you point. You know. Yeah, be honest, be authentic, um, and kind and do some of the work for them. Man, that is I get and I get pitches too. Your show's much bigger than mine, but I still get pitches. Um. And I love it whenever, and it happens so infrequently that it shocks me when it happens. When somebody says, I can come on your show and talk about this or this or this, and it's clear they actually know what the show is about, you know, for Mm -hmm. one thing, 
But then when they give me title ideas and they say, here's four or five things that, that we could chat about, I'm like, oh my gosh, let me call this person immediately because mm-hmm. you just you just given me an outline for the interview, which makes it so much easier. Oh my gosh. Give them questions. It's like when they, you know, if they pick you and be like, oh, hey, here are some questions related to this topic that I love talking about because I want to ask you questions that you right. could talk all day about. But, exactly. But that you won't talk all day about, but you could. Right. So right. like, that's helpful too. Like we, in our media kit, we include, and when we send it to other podcasters, we include, um, possible questions that we love answering. Hmm. So that's another thing I'm gonna, that's pretty good. I'm going to shoot you an email later and have you send me your media kit because I'm super oh, curious yeah. uh, what you put in there. And I do think there's an important principle here because we are chatting on a writing podcast Writers are people who can come up with stuff. They're creative or supposed Mm -hmm. to be. So you can always find a way to make whatever topic you want to talk about adjacent to the topic of the show. Like if I was going to pitch your show, I would probably say, okay, so my thing's writing. Your thing is frugality and money. I would be like, what what are the connections between those two topics? I would probably think, okay, how do you self-publish or how do you get editing done for your book on a budget? How do you Mm -hmm. do it cheaply where you're not spending $10,000 $10,000 on something or what's the best. I don't know. I have to think about it some more, but there's always ways that you can connect to topics. Mm-hmm. Actually, we have um, one of the, one of the episodes on our, our schedule is we have a, we're starting a frugal side hustle series Ooh, that's and like cool. free freelance writing is one of the frugal side. I mean, I started it for like absolutely free. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to make money without investing money. So totally. there, honestly, there are very few things you can't spin to work for our show. But like people don't, if you don't know the show, you don't know what the spin is. Exactly. Um, and, but like, look at this, read the description of the podcast. It's a Go to the website. Yeah. Go to the website, get a feel for it and look at the last 20 um, some odd episode titles. Yeah. Make sure they have guests on before you pitch them. Don't pitch yeah. a don't pitch a show that doesn't do interviews. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned a, a bit ago, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this because you've given us a ton of tips. Jen, I appreciate you as a person, but also as a podcaster, as an author, and as a super genius business person as well. <laughs> uh, you just have a lot to offer to people. So thanks again for doing this. This has been great. Uh, remind people where they can find the podcast, your book, and all the things related to Jen Smith and Frugal Friends. Yeah. So you can find the book, The No Spend Challenge Guide, and my other two books um, on Amazon. They are all self-published. And then you can listen to Frugal Friends podcast uh, every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Mm, Wonderful. This has been a ton of fun. Thanks again for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you had as much fun listening to that conversation as I did getting to talk to Jen. As you can see, she's really smart and has approached her writing and podcasting and other things that she's doing in not just a really creative way, but a really smart way business-wise. And there's a lot to take away from what she shared with us. So I hope that you'll listen to this again and take advantage of all her amazing wisdom. I want to encourage you to check out her podcast, which again is called The Frugal Friends Podcast, and also check out her book, which is called The No Spend Challenge Guide. Now, if you want bonus points, so, you know, I am I used to be a college professor, as you might know, so 
I'm always thinking in terms of extra credit. I don't know why I said say those things, but you know, once a professor, always a professor. So if you want bonus points, I want to encourage you to go to her email list and sign up for that. Go to frugalfriendspodcast.com, sign up for her list, and you're going to get some really cool things from her, not just because they're great on the topic of frugality and and spending and finance and those kinds of things, but you're going to see a master marketer at work. So I've learned a lot from actually being on her email list the past two or three months, and I know that you're going to learn a lot as well. So many thanks to Jen for taking the time to be a guest on this episode and sharing her wisdom. And before I wrap up this episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the new book, The Faith of Elvis, A Story Only a Brother Can Tell. I wrote this book with Billy Stanley, who is Elvis Presley's stepbrother, to share the untold story of Elvis's deep Christian faith. You'll read never-before-published stories about Elvis's generosity, how he relied on his faith in tough times, and what it was like for Billy to grow up with Elvis as an older brother. It was a huge privilege to be involved with this project, and our early reader feedback has been that it's a very quick read that leaves you feeling really inspired. So if you love Elvis, if you enjoy music, if you like great storytelling, or if you just want to deepen your personal faith, I promise that you're going to love The Faith of Elvis. The book comes out on October 4th, and you can pre-order the book at all the major retailers, and you can even download a free chapter of the book via a link in the show notes. Hey, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.